Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to the Speckle Truth Podcast. If you remember from last week's discussion, we had our part one with Captain Chad Pederick from the Baffin Bay Complex and also the tournament director for the Legend Saltwater Series. And I want to welcome you back. This is part two of our discussion. He talks a lot about uh, his complex, which is the Baffin Bay Complex there in the upper Laguna Madre here in, on the coast of Texas. But aside from that, he shares a lot about his thoughts on conservation and then share some incredible stories, incredible stories from legends and his own experiences with regards to majors, minors, cylinder. Uh, but aside from that, just some amazing catch stories. So a welcome back to the Speckle Truth Podcast. Enjoy part two with Captain Chad Pederick. Take care. Welcome to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is the only show dedicated to the conservation of the trophy trout population from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast. Here, we go below the surface to discuss what happens when science and anglers work together for a cause. Gear up with your host, Captain Chris Bush, a trophy trout purist, leader and educator within the fishing community, as he talks about all things big speckled trout. Get ready for the slimy, salty truth, better known as the speckled truth. What are some other kind of stories that you have that just kind of come to mind for you? You know, talking about this right now and fishing at night, you know, and doing those things, it's, I'm going to reflect on yesterday morning. My alarm clock goes off at 3.30 and my wife says, what in the world are you getting up at 3.30 for? I said, I'm meeting my people. <laughs> I'm meeting my people at 4.30. And she says, at 4.30 in the morning? I said, yes. She goes, why? I said, because it's Friday. It's a zoo. It was Early crazy today. And I wanted to get out there. I wanted to get, you're exactly right. I knew that minor was early yesterday morning. I said, we're going to get out there. I'm going to run down, you know, and I'm sitting there doing a video. I'm putting it on Instagram and me running down with the moon shining. And I'm doing 55 miles an hour, you know, with a group of five guys, you know, just trying to get down there. Four guys yesterday, not five. But anyway, get down there. And it's just so peaceful. There's nobody yeah. around. We slide out of the boat. I tell my guys to bring headlamps, you know, with them so they can see. And we're going to get in the water and we're going to be there 30 minutes, 45 minutes in the dark. And we're going to fish and we're going to be there right when the horizon starts to lighten up. And I'm going to tell you, it was so crazy when I, they started sliding out of the boat. I had one guy that had three fish caught before I, I got through rigging the last guy. I'll be damned. The light was incredible, you know, right off the bat. And yep here comes the boat traffic and here comes more boat traffic and you know before the sun even became up it, it's already getting crowded and next thing you know the fishing just starts slowing down slowing down slowing down and the minor was still in effect it wasn't like yeah. you know what we look at minors and majors it wasn't like it wasn't a prime time to be there i mean the moon hadn't even hit the horizon and the boat traffic's running crazy and the bites just slowly you know dwindling off and uh you know one of the things I had a guy call me yesterday and he said, man, we didn't get down there till you know, about 20 minutes after daylight, but we jumped out and we, we hit the North side of Baffin and jumped out on the tide gauge bar. Water was beautiful everywhere. Boats were everywhere. We fished there for an hour and we had four fish. Damn. And I just, the only thing I could say to him was, well, you should have been there about an hour earlier. <laughs> you probably had more, you know, because I think, I think it is. I think, I think the habitat has moved to deeper water. I've, I've, I, one of the things that I've seen myself do is go to heavier lead heads. Uh -huh. A lot of people question that, you know, Chris, I throw a three sixteenths ounce lead head, naughty hooker. And yeah. they, they're sitting there telling me, they're like, why are you throw such heavy lead heads? I said, because when you're up there sh shallow fishing with your one sixteenth or one eighth ounce and those fish have already moved out a little deeper. That's what I've seen more than anything. It's thinking outside the box and having the success of, you know, maybe not be that flat or that shoreline uptight. Go to that little, you know, secondary primary or secondary, you know, drop off in those fish staging in those areas because that's I I'm gonna say I think we've changed the habitat, you know, on the busy days. You know, I still think mm -hmm. during I love fishing October, November, December, January. No offense, deer hunters, but when they're out there and they're not on the water, <laughs> it's great. I get it left alone. I mean, that's my favorite yeah. time, you know. I'm with you. My, you can meet meet your people, you know, get down there right when it's breaking daylight and you may see three, four, five, eight boats, you know, not to draw any more attention to during that time of the year and have more people out there. But it is you have to 
you know, try to fish smarter instead of fish harder. It's always kind of been kind of my little motto of going out and doing things. And, you know, if you got to lose a little extra sleep, sometimes that, that effort's out there, you know, uh, to, to have success, you know, to, to go do it. But that's the thing though. And and you're talking about thinking outside the box and being in tune with that. So, right. You saw that bite taper, right. And so those fish are probably like, okay, here they come. You know, they're feeling the, the vibration of motor, you know, and, and all of a sudden they're hearing people kind of in sliding in the water and, and how much sound travels through your body, you know, shuffling your feet and, and all of a sudden they're like, okay, something's not right here. Right. It was like an hour ago, two hours ago, there was, I could, you know, they can feed in kind of a natural state. And then all of a sudden they're getting all these kind of artificial noises coming in. They're like, okay, what's going on? I'm getting out of here. And so like, it's interesting you go deeper because, you know, just again on Wednesday and I don't fish in the summer, man, I take off actually starting really one May, but man, I had to get the hell out of here and just go <laughs> clear my brain, man. And so I'm like, I could catch one fish. I can catch redfish. I don't care right now. Um, right. but it turns out, um, you know, I knew that, obviously coming on a full. And so, you know, there were actually a lot of people, again, it's a kind of community hole walk-in wade spot. And so, but they were out there, there were a lot of slicks popping up um, and, and they were fishing belly deep and plus, right. And so they're wet wade and I had my waders on cause I had a you know long drive back and I didn't want to get all wet. And so I was just kind of wearing my waders and so kind of limited right. to the depth I could fish. But, you know, I was like, you know what, they're all deep. Let me go up skinny. Let me go up actually really skinny. You know, I'm seeing, a, I'm seeing a slick pop up you know, in like a knee deep flat and I know there's grass there. I'm like, okay, that's probably redfish feeding, you know? And so I need to throw something, throw top water, nothing through a double D, you know, caught like two reds. I'm like, okay, let me, let me throw this floater out there, this fat boy floater. And all of a sudden, man, she's just getting pumped. You know, they're, they're putting a back treble on the loop knot, you know, and, and it's right, right. all of a sudden, you, you know, you're like, oh my God, there's some big fish on here. And so, um, it's just interesting that, you know, that people see slicks, they see a lot of bait behavior. They see a lot of feeding obviously going on in a deeper complex and those bigger fish like, okay, I'm out. And then I'm going to go up on this flat and kind of eat everything I want because nobody's bothering me over here. And so just trying to be mindful of that and kind of challenge yourself to even get out of that comfort zone and go throw it. Even if it ends up empty or at least trying something. And, you know, as a trophy trout guy or, and I'm nowhere nearly successful as you or any of the guys that fish on, you know, but I've seen a little bit of that behavior and that, that confidence of, Hey, I'm gonna go try this. And sure, sure not. It doesn't always work out, but sometimes it does. And it turns out in a big way, you know, of just challenging yourself and having that confidence of fish kind of unconventional things. And it's to your point where maybe those fish have adapted over the course of time. Right. Right. I think, you know, there's been some change over the years, you know, of course, everything changes, you know, grass beds and stand, you know, with weather and situations with water, you know, we get enough rain, you know, in different areas, but, mm-hmm. you know, talking back to one of the legends, you know, Cliff Webb was always one of the, the big, biggest, big trout guru legends down here. And he did it all, you know, he did it with artificials. He did it with live bait. He did everything, you know, during his career and down here and he's still, you know, active, still fishing a day or two a week. You know, I see him, you know, he's just, he's having fun. Cliff Webb's always about having fun and great guy. But I was having a conversation with him one day, just sitting at the marina, you know, just the two of us. And he said, you know, I, I his exact words were, I, I would hate to, to try to start my career during this day and time because being a trophy trout fisherman, you know, years ago, he goes, I was a guy and I hate relating this nonstop to deer hunting, but this is, this is how he explained it to me was, he goes, I was a guy that had, you know, a hundred thousand acre ranch down in South Texas. So short, of course I shot Boone and Crockett's every day. He said, but now there's a hundred hunters on this hundred thousand acre ranch and only a few of us get one a day. You know, we don't, not everybody. Yeah. Yeah, nobody, and he's sitting there explaining this to me, and and it makes 100%, you know, truth, you know, about our speckled trout fishery. It's uh, it's the way that, you know, he had every option. You know, like I said, when I go back to the fall, Chris, I just love it because all my options are wide open. During this time of the year, as a guide, you better make the right call in your first spot. You know, you, you yeah. better get there and claim the area, you know, uh, I, I don't like it as, you know, to have to spread my guys out 
because I can't talk to them. You know, you can't teach, you mm-hmm. can't educate, you can't do your job as a guide. It's more about just going fishing. And yeah. but to have the respect and have success, you might have to put your guys 50 yards apart and claim 150, 200 yards, you know, mm-hmm. of area and be within casting distance of each other and cover it all or just try to keep people, you know, away from you. Of course, like yesterday, it didn't matter. They'd run right over in front of you, you know, right behind you, between us. I mean, you know, however, they, the, the, the part of fishing nowadays, it seems like, especially, you know, this time of the year, and I understand completely why you, you lay off of it. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of jealous of that because <laughs> I got to live in that. But uh, the, the part of it is I got to claim, I got to claim area, you yeah. know, so. I may drop two guys off and say, look, I'm out of the boat down a hundred yards and we're, I'm going to get out with the other two and then we're going to spread out. We'll cover all this, you know? And it, it just, as a, as a guide, it's my least favorite thing to do. Cause I like to communicate, like to, you know, have fun, poke fun at somebody, jack around and sure. success and be there to record something, you know, carry the cell phone in your pocket and, you know, and bring out the smartphone and do a quick video of them and, yeah. and, you know, show the beauty of somebody landing of, you know, a trophy trout or something, but there's times that, you know, it's the nature of the beast. We we're not allowed to do that as guides, you know, and be comfortable as we once were. And, and we've had to adapt, not only the fish probably adapting, but us to, to stay on top of your game, doing things like waking up in three 30 and having your wife yell at you for waking everybody <laughs> up early in the morning. Yeah. It's one of this part of it nowadays. No. So, you know, that's, you know, giving us those stories, you know, I mean, have you heard, you know, this, this mystique of the bathing complex, you know, and what are some stories again, because of your proximity though, to these folks and, and maybe, uh, you know, folks that you've heard and talked to like Cliff Webb. And I mean, what are some of those stories, those legendary stories? Like what are some of those stories that they've told you that have stood out to you, um, you know, it, regarding so. the bathing complex? Right. The Baffin complex. I get asked all the time, you know, why do you think it's so great? You know, I said, you know, tell everybody here lately, it might be East Matagorda, you know, but but anyway, it's something that stands out about that bay always has to me is, is less predators, you know, fishing in in Port O'Connor area um, with the sharks and, you know, I mean, you got all kinds of things that you're dealing with, you know, that's just, not the norm, you know, even the, the porpoise, the dolphin, everything else that's going on, you know, I think the fish have a better habitat for growing bigger with less predators after them, even though we are seeing more porpoise, you know, porpoises in our area, like big plans of them, 15, 20, yeah. just breaking across the top of East Clayburg just kills me when I see it, yeah. you know, there's nothing mm-hmm. we can do about it, but you see it, but talking to these guys, you know, and, and going back years ago, they didn't see those things, you know, uh, having a shark incident down there is very, very rare. And, you know, they, uh, David Rousey and I talked this week earlier this week, and I actually had a shark incident. What was crazy is he calls me, starts talking about it. And he had two shark incidents that okay. were, yes. And, and that were within about a mile of the same area that I was in. And we weren't, we're talking two different days. You know, so um, that's concerning to me a little bit. But going back to these guys and them, you know, talking about it and the things that they do, you know, you can't overlook Jim Wallace, you know, the guy that you want to talk hardcore, go out, go to Baffin. You know, I can remember getting over to Cathead during the winter month. You know, I think it was January, February one time and fishing all day long. And we were staying at our cabin down there and and. Mm -hmm. We're talking, you know, 25, 28 years ago, 20, probably 28, 29 years ago and sitting there and, and we're done with our day. We're fixing to head back to this cabin. This boat pulls up and he doesn't do anything but anchor off, pitch the little tarp over the front end of his boat, sets on the back of his boat and he's sitting there and it's getting dark. And I'm looking at him like, man, what's this guy doing? You know, as we're idling off, you know, yeah. and I was still very young in my game, you know, I was early, early twenties and we took off and left, you know, and I've, I'm just, I'm thinking about this guy. Is he coming out here? It's like 45, 48 degrees. You know, is he coming out here just staying the night? He's going, I guess he's going to fish at night. You know, we go back to the cabin. 
you know, we're living the good life, you know, putting a stake on a little pit and telling stories, <laughs> yeah. playing dominoes. And we wake up the next morning and we go right back to the same area to jump out. And there's that boat and there's one guy out there fishing. And I eased over towards him, you know, when I was sitting there, you know, cause we're, I just, I wanted to kind of hear his story and who, I didn't have a clue who he was. And we're wading along and he's a good 150 yards away from us, but he's in the same general area that we had been all day, you know, the day before. And he started working towards me and everything. And he started w walking towards me and he waved and everything. And I, I waved and eased over to him. And I said, Did, have you been out here all night, you know, fishing this? And he started telling me, he says, I come out here. He said at the right time to catch the right fish. And he goes on and on about how, he can't have hardly any friends because they don't want to fish with him because he's too hardcore and they're too yeah. cold. And they want to go back to a cabin. I'm sitting there looking at and thinking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we just did. But, but yeah. you know, this guy caught the state record, which I still personally respect as the state record trout that was caught, you know, and, and we're, we're here. I'm sitting there listening to his stories and he's talking about, yeah, you know, about two o'clock in the morning to about three 30, he said, the bite just went, crazy it was crazy crazy good and he was throwing an original you know corky he called it the pickle you know and he said i'm just throwing this 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 lure right here and he said and i sat in one spot he said and i had probably 14 fish that were in the seven to nine pound range and you know but i'm not here for that i'm here for a bigger one you know oh, and so I, i'm gonna go back to the house you know and I, I i'll always look back at those stories and think to myself first of all there's not too many guys that go out and stay out and fish all night by themselves and talking yeah. about a legend like that guy they used to say that you know whenever we i went over and got to meet meet his uh, you know significant and i'm sitting there talking to her and telling stories and jim lavelle you know knowing him and jim helps us with the legends as well you know galveston guys who's down here now in corpus area and telling how he would just put the boat in and they didn't know he didn't come home until he ran out of sandwiches you know he yeah. would just go out Day, three or four days but but talking to him that night i mean that morning about fishing that night before he had something figured out and it made me kind of like you know it was an eye opener sure instead of us going and fishing during a time when we think it's right or when it's daylight when it's convenient you know to have that success it might be that story just like you going to catch the minor you know the late evening minor like you did chris yesterday it was yeah, it went to yeah. He knew exactly. And during that time, you know, earlier in your career, you don't really pay attention to those majors and minors. You know, you just kind of just want to go fishing because you get off of work or you can go and do those things. But there is a big, there is, you know, fishing to me is, you know, it is a science, but it's a science that we, we think we can figure out, but all of a sudden we get thrown a curveball, and, you know, we'll flunk a test every now and then, but to have the, the knowledge of understanding minors and majors has been probably the biggest thing that I've picked up on a lot of these guys, these legends and stuff that we've talked about. And, and I try to teach it as well now as a, you know, a, a veteran guide myself uh, to pay attention to them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, talking to, you know, one day I can remember we were fishing in a, in a Baffin tournament. We were in the Badlands and we've got there, jumped out, claimed our spot. And uh, it was uh, me and Rocky Whitley. And we seen, Cliff and Jay fishing together and they were in the tournament, you know, and yeah. going all the way back to it. Those are the guys that when earlier in my career, that's who you, that's who you looked up to. Those were idols. You wanted to compete against them and that's the guys you wanted to beat. And I see them pull up around the corner on the opposite side of the badlands from us. And there's five, six, maybe eight tournament boats sitting around there. We're already in the water. I mean, we're chunking and chunking and chunking. And this kind of relates right back to the same story of, of the night, you know, whenever we went back to the cabin and didn't stay out and fish, he knew exactly when to be there because of the, the major and minor during that night. Yeah. And I watched Jay and Cliff pull up to the other side and I mean, they're within 200 yards of us and we're, we're catching a few fish, but we're not catching anything special. And we watched them there in no rush. We're in tournament mode. You know, when the boat yeah. stops, you go, I mean, you're so nervous. You, you your blood's pumping, you're throwing your stuff on, you know, you got to get out. And those two, two old cool cats just sitting across the way, they're just taking their time and everything and they get out and, and they go fishing and we see them walk out and, you know, about 10, 20 minutes after they get there and they're fishing, they're fishing. We, you know, we're catching fish. We see them catch a couple of fish. And they're only there a couple hours. 
<laughs> they take off and they leave. I told Rock, I said, that it didn't work out for them. You know, we're sitting there. Rock, <laughs> like, yeah, they, they wouldn't have left if it, if it was good, you know, or, you know, they left because they weren't catching the right ones and cold blowing day, you know, and Rock and I finished fishing the day and we come pulling back into market 37 Marina and tied off over there at Snoopy's is a cliff Webb's old boat sitting there. And I'm like, yeah, they over there eating lunch. <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like Jim Wallace setting up his tent. He's going to rest for a while, you know, but yeah. it was a learning experience because they did exactly what they needed to do. They knew that there was no rush. They were waiting for, you know, the major to come into play or the minor. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but they got out, caught their fish and made it happen. And uh, went back, enjoyed lunch, come and weighed in two nine-pounders and something else and, and, and won the tournament. And they didn't fish for like two hours. And, and we sat out there pounding. You know, of course, we fished all during that same time as well. Yeah. And we were coming in with thinking that we did pretty good because, you know, we had a couple of sevens, I think. And during that day, you know, talking about memories, we all remember those those special days and things that stand out. To relate that to myself, I found it was something that I had to like put into my game plan to study it and learn it. And, uh, yeah. over the years, you know, I can re reflect back to 2010, uh, the same partner, Rocky Whitley and I fished in a bath and bash down here. And all that week I was down here pre-fishing and the day before the rock was at work all week and he got, got down here and I said, look, we're supposed to pre-fish this day, but I'm not going to get off this game plan. We're going to borrow buddy's boat. Nobody sees us. We're going to run down to the spot. We're going to jump out. If we catch one good fish, we're getting out yeah. of here. Yeah. And not to drag the story out, but we jumped out. We waited in there. We're waiting along. I said, do you see that white bucket when we get even with it? And it was on the King Ranch shoreline. I said, when we get even with that white bucket, if we stick one good fish, five pounds plus, we're getting back in the boat. We're getting out of here. First fish that we catch, I stick a 31 that went nine and a quarter. And I said, oh, my God, I can't believe we're in here doing this. Get in the boat and let's go. Yeah. Rocky's like this, you know, he's God bless him, but he's just like a, he's like a crack addict. He's got to have one. You got to have more. Let me yeah, get in there. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's yeah. going, like, get in the boat. I had to run to the boat, get in the boat. And I borrowed a buddy's boat. I drive it right in there, right in front of him. I said, get in this damn boat. You know, we take off and we go back and we hang out, tie lines, get everything ready for the tournament. We go down there the next day of the tournament, first thing in the morning. And that miner had slid back a little bit. And we get out and we're waiting and waiting and waiting. First day of the tournament. First hour, we had one 22-inch fish. Okay. He's already saying, we got to go. He's impatient. Yeah. We got to go somewhere. And I said, man, we got to wait. We got to wait. Minor approaches. We catch like two fours and a six-pounder. I said, okay. Yep. Here it comes. We're, we're doing better. Yep. We're, doing, we're doing better. We go through about an hour, hour and a half. We do not get a bite. And we're fishing one area that's only probably I'm 80 good. to 120 yards wide. And he says, man, we got to go try to get an upgrade. You know, we, we need to go and try. We got plenty of other spots to try. And I said, look, when I found these fish this week in here, it was during the major. The major's not hitting until about noon today. And I'm not leaving this area. We're going we're gonna to live or die here. I said, we have to. Incredible, Chris. I mean, that year, that tournament, everything, it is the role model to majors and minors in my game planning every single day. That major hit. We caught seven trout that day that were like 28 to 31 inches that that's that were right there, threw them in the boat, came in, weighed in. We were sitting in second place. And I remember Octa and Tanzelboski, which two guys you got to respect in this fishery mm -hmm. down here at all times. Two great guys that, you know, have have earned their time down here. Um, and actually winners of the first saltwater legends that we had Two one took the first championship. Day two, we went right back down there. We had three three pounders in the box at ten o'clock, and that minor hit, and we caught a couple decent fish that upgraded us a little bit, like four and a half, five pounders. You know, mm -hmm. nothing super super special. We sat there, and at one one thirty, you know how that major moves back a little slides, bit. Yep, slides back an hour. Yeah, and it, we had even a better day. We caught nine fish that day that were like in that twenty eight, twenty nine to thirty inch range. Goodness gracious. You know, we didn't catch the 31, but we caught so many. And those fish were right. It was so weird. They were just right, right next to the shoreline, just laid up there. We literally had baits. I was throwing a gambler flapping shad and that and and kind of with a 16th ounce just so I could flutter it right across and 
you know, mm -hmm. knee deep water had been there over and over and over. We were doing circles in there and nothing. And I came back around and threw up there and don't, I got hit hard. I went to set it and I missed it. And I like turned around, mm -hmm. and looked at him. He was deeper from me. And I said, come here, come here, you know, come up. I said, I just missed something big. And he came up there and he was throwing a floater and he hooks up and he, and he loses it. And I'm looking at him and then I'm like, this is bad luck, man. We got, this has to happen. You know, let's just slow down, take our time during that major, you know, and next thing you know, it, the gambler went off and, and, and the corky went off and we sat there and looked at each other and we were like, this is just incredible. We've been here for six hours in one spot. It's crazy. And that day forward, it totally changed our whole outlook on, on tournaments. And, you know, we became very, very, I guess I would say a much stronger, respectable team, you know, to, to pound fish for about four or five years until we said we've, you know, kind of backed out of the tournament yeah. scene. And it was all about going to where your best spot or being in your best spot that you have during that major. And it relates all the way back to Cliff and Jay having the success and me watching them during that, that, that tournament, you know, being that close and in the same area, same thing going all the way back to Jim Wallace. Jim Wallace. Yeah. It, it's great. It's so, it's so interesting to sit and look and, and pay attention there. You know, there is, there is a science to it. And I think when that, that lunar table, you know, Hey, look at it. It's the thing I open every day. I used yep. to open up, I used to open up my, my book or look online and look at tides. When's the income and when's out. That's, that's like not even relevant to me as much as me looking at when my minor major is going to be, especially down in Baffin, because we're more of a wind driven bay, not so much a yeah. tidal bay, you know, sure. uh, we need wind, we need wind to move water down there. Uh, mm -hmm. I look at wind direction. I look at my, you know, I know what my table is going to be, my minors and majors every single day. And, and for all of you guys that are listening to this podcast, it's, it's something that you need to put into your game plan, and put it. Put it in your waiting, <laughs> waiting belt and remember it because there's a lot of truth. You you may be at the right area, but it might not just be the right time. It, and people will go, oh, it's a Texas thing. Dude, no. Um, it, yeah, you got to understand. So like I was talking to my dad, you know, just yesterday actually. And he fished all week. Beautiful week down there in South Louisiana. And it's funny because he saw me post. I hadn't talked to him. And so he's like, you went fishing yesterday? I'm like, no, nah, man, I went on Wednesday. He goes, when'd you catch those fish? I said, uh, I caught them actually late in the evening. And so he couldn't go. He had to go like a church function or something early in, in the morning on Wednesday. And he normally goes and visits and prays with some patients there at the, uh, at the hospital. And so he's like, man, I decided to make like a late trip. And, uh, he goes, when I got out there, bite was dead. He got out there like two, three o'clock and he fished till dark. He said, what time did that bite pick up? And I said, actually, I, I didn't get there till six and it kind of went off for me about maybe 7.30, 7.45. It was pretty close to nautical twilight where that sun was really setting. And so, and he had stayed out there a little bit later and he's like, um, he's like, man, all of a sudden, man, a bite picked up. And even though they have a lot more tide in terms of like a foot and a half range, especially on a full, you know, maybe closer to two foot where he's fishing, especially in the lower baritary complex, it really didn't matter because where he was fishing, he was fishing with the same amount of tidal flow, it was all of a sudden that bite clicked, you know, and you always hear, you know, he always said it when the cows are feeding, the fish are feeding. Right. And it, it holds true. And a lot of people <laughs> do right. A lot of, but it's crazy though. Like I've asked enough people, I've talked to so many people, you know, about trout fishing, you know, I've done talks at, you know, Alabama, uh, coastal fishing association, you know, across over in Mississippi. And it's just amazing to me how many people just don't realize the importance of just understanding the concept of a major and a minor and applying that, you know, McBride said it in our podcast, we did it, you know, where knowing where to be, when, or when to be, where is important. Right. It, right and you can right. catch them on a big pin at that point. You know, it's just understanding, you know, when to be there is, is really the, the large majority of the game. So that's pretty yeah. cool. That's amazing story that, you know, is across only from your personal experience, but seeing that in a tournament setting with Cliff, and Jay, and then obviously the the infamous, you know, Jim Wallace. Holy crap! And you right. know this. I, I love reading that story or that book, man, from L. Scott Murray. You know, tro or Texas Trophy Trout tomorrow, uh, right. and just listening to the stories and reading the stories from you know some of these guys that we're talking about right now. And 
how epic it was. And I think Blackwood in that book reflected on the day that he, that Jim Wallace had broken the state record. And I think they were at Roy's or something like that. And that day there were like 10 fish that, or there were 12 fish that were double digits caught that day or something like that. It's just absolutely ridiculous. You know, and then the next day the whole bay was full, you know, everybody, <laughs> yeah. was right. you know, there's pre-social media too, right? Holy oh God. yeah. That's even before that was, that was, that was back at go home and call people, not even on a cell phone. You know, yeah. you, you look at it as you know, a, a great time to look for fish. In my opinion is in between the minors and the majors and stick to your game plan, you know, stick to what, you know, your success and put that out of the box you know, during between those minors and majors, those are good times to go test waters, you know, see, mm-hmm. see if it's there, you know, look yeah. for, look, look for a sign, you know, that may be there. And then, you know, if you have a little success during it, Hey, maybe you need to hit that during your minor and major. And, 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 yeah. you know, I used to keep logs like you wouldn't believe Chris. I mean, all this notes and I just set their income and, you know, outgoing tide and, you know, what's the barometric pressure, what's the wind, what's the mm-hmm. water temperature you know and and that's a whole nother podcast is just reading water temperatures you know for me you know especially winter fishing trophy trout fishing but but to sit there and put that into your perspective game plan of every single day is understanding the majors and minors is 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 a a very very crucial part of trophy trout fishing without a doubt i mean yeah all the guys like the legends like doc j wright guys has three world records under his belt for fly, you know, in various line classes, you know, doc, Bob Weiss, again, a Louisiana guy. So Jay's in Florida, Bob's in Louisiana, and they're both pretty much, you know, echoing the same thing, you know, about majors and minors and understanding. And so the point is, is like, dude, if these guys that are like, no kidding at, at legendary status, world record holders for Christ's sakes are putting that much stock in it, do it. (laughs) You know, it's like, it works. No, I was going to say 70, 80% of the people, they don't even know what you're talking about when you talk about majors and minors, you know, and and that number, I'm probably even low, you know, when you talk to people, when they, when they go fishing, people go fishing because it's when they get to go fishing and they're out there, you know, and get to, they going out to have a good time and doing their thing, but reading into it and seeing what your success every single day of my guide career, I always make sure I'm at my best spot during the Mm -hmm. best opportunity you know of a minor or a major you know moonset minors has been really great for us you catching that uh, moonrise minors what you got the other day i'm thinking probably in the oh, yeah. evening you absolutely know, you easing out there you know it's the same thing here you know of course our guided trips we're not out there that late but an area like up and down the king ranch shoreline hey it, you can i've been on a burn boat i've burned it and see big fish right down it I've had guys come to me and say, Hey, you wouldn't believe these big trout I'm seeing on King Ranch, my burn boat. And I'm like, what? And they go, yeah, come look at them. We'll go, you know, I'll jump in with them, run, see it. And you don't even want to educate them and say, well, you're not fishing at the right time, you know, or whatever. But there's so many times late evening, if you can catch one of those miners, you know, during that time or or a major, like late, late, those fish pull right back, less traffic on the water, they're gone those fish will pull right back up in there to feed probably the same thing. This goes back to the beginning of this podcast with you, Chris, us talking about their habitat changing, you know, I think that's the time that we, the times that we are in now, you know, and, and to be successful, I, I personally feel like if you do not put it into your game plan or you do not try to fish during the times when there's less traffic or during the time of a minor major, you're not going to have the success. Those guys are. You know, those are the guys that are going to make it happen because of experience and because of history and what they've had, you know, what is, what has been there, their success stories. Yeah. And you got to see it firsthand and then it'll like you, like you, for you, you know, light bulb clicks off and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. With that moon rise coming up, you know, obviously that moon was full or getting ready is like 98% full or something like that. But dude, it was like a Q beam. You know, I mean, it was so bright on Wednesday. It was ridiculous. And I fished till about 945. And honestly, I'd have stayed till midnight. And the only reason I left, one, because I was still catching, but the only reason I left was, dude, I was wearing a short sleeve shirt and the mosquitoes were tearing my ass up. It was ridiculous. Man. <laughs> oh, I was like, I can't handle it anymore. You know, I just caught like the six, like it was like 930. And I pitched back out there two casts later, catch like a four. 
And I'm like, okay, like unhooking them is just unbearable because, you know, one of them, that six tacoed it, man. So that back hook's real deep. So I'm trying to get there with low light. I'm like pointing the fish into the moon to see, you know, get it out of there. I didn't have a headlamp or anything like that. And so, right. but I'm literally walking back, like nonchalantly just pitching back. And I mean, there's, I'm still getting pumped, you know, it's crazy. And I'm like, I gotta go. I'm like still swatting my arms, but nonetheless, it was crazy. So, well, but I wanted to, I wanted to ask, to what's that? I said, those are the times you just want to stay so <sighs> bad. That you just can't handle it. You know, can't do it. Deal with Couldn't it. do it. Yeah, there have been like a few trips in South Louisiana, man, when a gnats just get completely unbearable in like March, early April. And you're like, I, I can't, I can't even breathe. It feels right. like I'm just eating like, you know, a gnat cereal. <laughs> it's great. Right, anyway. Right. I'd like to take a small break to sincerely thank our podcast sponsors. As you know, we're a brand about sharing the passion and pursuit of trophy speckled trout, as well as our conservation. Fortunately for us, Mirror Lore, Texas Custom Lures, and the original Custom Corky support that same passion, which is evident through the support of this podcast. Simply put, without these brands, none of this would be possible. And we're incredibly appreciative, and we hope you are too. Now, let's get back to the discussion. So I want to I ask you, man, I mean, right, so you, you've been guiding for 25 years, you got Saltwater Legends... You know, you've, you've won, uh, in, in place, you know, in all these different things you, you have, you know, in, in terms of your personal surroundings and affiliated with, you know, a lot of these folks across, you know, generations and our legends. I mean, what else motivates you, dude? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you've pretty much done it all <laughs> to some extent. You know, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, it's a, it's a daily challenge staying on top of your game, you know, your shoulders, your elbows, your wrist, you know, going back to laughing about, you know, telling stories and history and, you know, sitting there talking to Cliff and how he can't hardly even Cliff Webb can't hardly even work his wrist, you know, like he used to, you know, it's the wear and tear that's on us, but it's the trophy trout. It's the success of it. It's uh it's the challenge of doing it with lures, you know, um, I'm not going to go and harsh on live bait, you know, for years and years and years, you know, you, you hear all the croaker wars, you know, that go on and everything with our fishery, but I, I love the challenge of making it happen. But overall with me as a guide, it's meeting the coolest people, the most unbelievable, you know, clientele I have now, and I keep gaining new guys and getting to see them. The success story of me is a personal best trout every, you know, Every single day, it's my goal with my trips, Chris. If I can see mm-hmm. a guy, I had a guy yesterday that was from Arkansas, living in Arkansas. He just moved to Texas this week. Uh, three guys had me booked. They invited him to go along with the trip. And, uh, you know, he gets out, we're fishing, and and second spot. And I tell him, you know, we're not here. This isn't a numbers game. This is about a, a good fish. You know, we're in here to look for one fish and for hopefully somebody to catch a personal best. And, you know, he caught a fish that was – it was six pounds. That's, that's a trophy to him. That's a trophy yep. in his eyes. And and you got to respect it. You know, to the eye of the beholder, you know, that's kind yep. of the thing that goes along with it. You know, this guy doing it with lures, you know, uh, putting a lure in his, on his rod and telling him this is what we're going to do. And then to watch him and just his yelling and screaming and excitement, you know, like, Oh my God, you know, this thing's yep. 28 inches, you know, and going on and on and on. And, you know, with, even this time of the year, you know, when our fish lose the weight that they do, you know, mm-hmm. and you catch fish and which should be a pound or two heavier, you know, and, to, but just to see that, that is, that Excitement. is my daily drive to, to try to, to, to stay on top, top of the game. You know, there's a lot of young, young fishermen that come up, you know, and, and, in a business, you know, and they're very successful and they're, they're great fishermen. You know, there, there's some young guys that, that start, you know, and I'm kind of in the, probably about, two thirds done with my career, kind of the way I look at it, but I definitely, I'm not ready to kind of go out, you know, just trying to make those things happen. But the numbers, Chris, that you look at as far as trophies, you know, trout over the past 10 years, especially has really dwindled down so much to be a very concern, you know, part of it to me uh, and mm-hmm. what my game is and what I like to do, you know, everybody's like, you know, I'll have people that say something to me, you know, like after you go out and you may catch a limited trout, and, you know, and you're done. They're, 
like, what about redfish? And I look at him, I'm like, if you want redfish, you know, I'm, I'm not your guy. Yeah, we can go try and we'll go catch some if you want, especially summertime, you know, on drains and off, you know, secondary drops or whatever, you know, and get them schooled up. But to me, it's chasing that trophy trout, that personal best that sets, you know, my my career apart from being just a, a guy that goes out and tries to fill a box of fish and come in and, and put the fish up on the dock, and clean them and go and you're on your way. I like to I like to make a memory, you know, something that instills in your head that, you know, as a guide in, in my career, most people they come with you, they catch a limit. They may talk about it a week, two weeks, they may talk about it a year. But you know what? They catch that personal best with you. They may talk about it 20, 30 years, 40 years. I mean, Chris, I can remember every single one of my, all my top fish. You know, I can remember the people that were with me. You know, the biggest fish I ever put a client on. You know, I can remember exactly who was with us and exactly where I was at. It's those things that instill, you know, in my career and make the memories that make me wake up at 3.30 and go out there (laughs) during a, you know, a moonset minor and make it happen on a Friday like we did yesterday. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, I think a lot of it has changed too, you know, as far as the fishing, the fishery has gone as far as, you know, the type of fishermen that are on the water. Um, you know, it's just like you said, the old days, you know, with the, without the GPS, as I can remember, how big is your compass? No, I need a bigger one because I need to know what my heading is going to be. All those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. I don't think the challenge is, is what it is. And it's kind of disturbing, you know, to me that, the way we had to learn it and all the props I had to replace and the lower units and stuff to learn, truly learn Baffin Bay, you know, they used to always say the same, same thing. When in doubt, idle in and idle out, you know, we have so much structure down here. It's what kept it so special, you know, in, in Baffin Bay with the, the structure, the rocks and everything. I mean, they take a lower unit straight off. If you, you know, hit one and, now everybody has these, you know, the fancy stuff to keep all your tracks and everything down. You know, it's, it's, it's not to take anything away from anybody, but it, it sure is easy nowadays, you know, to be able to navigate through the bay and learn and know things compared to what we did. You know, we used to leave marks, PVC posts, you know, think about how many PVC pipes you used to see out on Baffin. and you hardly even see them now. You know, they, people would just pull them up if we see them, you know, just get them out of the water. But the, the daily grind of everything that goes on, you know, 48 years old, um, you know, uh, I hope to, to have at least another 12, 15 years of doing this because that's, I still have the passion for it. You know, as long as my skin and my body can hold up, I'll be yeah. there. You know, I'm yeah. such idols, you know, grew up my entire life, you know, starting it out and, you know, looking up to, to someone like Jay Watkins, middle coast. I mean, which will no no doubt will be added to the saltwater legend list one day. We try not to honor guys that are still active with their active, career. Yeah. We try to get guys that are kind of you know either had stopped or about to stop you know to give them give them that push and show them the love. But you know some of the things that stand out. You know the guy Jay. You know wrote a wrote an article and mentioned me in it. You know very early in my career and and. I don't know if Jay listens to this or not, but it, it meant the world to me, you know, and, and me looking down at some of the younger guys that are out there now, you know, that are making a name for themselves and, you know, 21 year old Colton Blackwell and, and Colton knows. Yeah. And I, and I, and I talked to him, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, he's down here and we'll, we'll have conversations on the phone. You know, every, we're going to have new guys that work their way up every year. There's going to be, you know, it's kind of like in baseball, you know, any baseball, you're that Tom Brady, and then all of a sudden you may be that guy in the middle of your career, you know, that's that's having success, that you know is doing good. Like, and then you have somebody like Mahomes come up. You know what I mean? You you just, and it's the challenge of trying to stay on top. You know, doing the things that these, all the guys, all your competitors, but yet they're really our brothers. I mean, out on the water, yeah. you know, Dave and I. Rousey, we check on each other. We, we chat, you know, once a day, twice a day, you know, maybe we'll skip a day or two, but we know that we're both out there. We know we're trying to do our best and do what we do. And we, you know, that love hate relationship where we want to be better, but yet at the same time, we, we love those guys, you know, uh, and really you know, 
that looking at it. I hope it stays as good as it does, but I am concerned, you know, with our, our fishery, just like we mentioned earlier, you know, with you putting that many people out, there's 1,200 people at Market 37 Marina, and there's three more marinas here, you know, and the amount of people, can you imagine how many hooks are dragging through the water? And if there's, you know, 2,000, 2,500 people out there and they catch five fish a piece, what, there's no fishery that can hold up to that. And yeah, as a guide, you know, it's an expectation. And it's hard for us to try to teach. And, I, I, you know, you do your best to try to tell people to be more conservative. Oh, if it's 22, let it go, you know, or whatever. And I know I'm seeing some things now, you know, with 20, let it go. And and you, yeah. I think you shared the post as well. And But the mentality of the fishermen, like the guys that I've had for 20, 25 years of fishing with me, you know, the hero shots, throwing it over the shoulder and, and holding up big stringer, it's still there. And, and you know, it's hard as a guide to only be that conservative to try to build business. You know, you have to show success. And that's why it, that personal best comes into play so many times, you know, to try yeah. to say, Look, this is what it's about. And and not that the good Lord put the fish on this planet to be trophies and bragging rights. You know, it's more of a food source, in my opinion. But at the same time, it's the passion. It's the respect that we need to have for our fishery, because if we do not start doing more, and, and I can tell you, you know, forever, it was always with me. I mean, the, the he, the word heathen comes out. Cause I'd be like, how, you know, Hey, 23. Yeah. Straight it up. You know, and I'm talking 20 years ago because we caught so many 27, 28s, 29s. Yeah. You went to battle and you didn't catch a seven pounder. You had a bad day. That's how crazy it's crazy. And now it's like, if you know, a five pounders, my go, we got to, you know, I want to be able to say I caught three over like the last two days. You know, two, two fives and a six and day before that going out there and having a, a you know, on Thursday, having a, a 24 and a half, a 25 and a 27, that's success now, you know, and, but we got to let those fish swim because if we don't, we're not going to have these 28, 30, 32s, you know, of um, course. biggest trout I personally ever caught, you know, myself, 33 and eight, 33 and three, eight, sorry. And a 33 and eight, two big fish. I haven't seen a fish over 32 inches in four years. I'll be damned. So, um, you know, that's, that's the biggest concern. If anything gets off this podcast, besides our legends and who we honor and all these great fishermen that fish it and you guys come and check out, you know, saltwater legends. The other thing is our fishery. I can't, I can't imagine any fishery being able to hold up to what we've gone to. And, and the, the fishermen are at fault, but we also got to look to our state, you know, to, Hey, they got to realize how many more, license they're selling and if we got to drop the limit you know another fish or two maybe that's what it has to be i don't know you know i don't know the answer but that's out of our hands because if these people are out there and they're doing what they're supposed to do and they're abiding by the law and they're still bringing in that many fish you know eventually it's going to be you know we'll have to be targeting other species you know no for sure yeah for sure so, especially as it's as, you know for table fare that's right. why i really applaud kind of in you know, I talked to Dave Flad. He's the kind of founder behind the release over 20 deal. I know you just mentioned it. And that's why we've made a post about it because, you know, for the last seven years that I've been running and really owned Speckle True, started it and everything else, one of the things that we've been, my tagline for the last seven years has been take what you need, release the rest. Because I'm not, you know, all catch and release law. I like to eat fish. But on the same token is it's a mindset of literally just kind of self-imposing a limit on your own self like on wednesday i didn't keep a fish i could have but i didn't we didn't need them i knew i was going to get get home late i knew i had to telework the next day it, it just wasn't conducive for me it wasn't convenient but aside from that we really just didn't need them you know and, and that wasn't the motivator you know but it, some of the motivators and the majority of the motivator is that kind of slow motion stringer shot you know where people are slinging them in the boat, you know, it's like, that's what they launched the boat to do is to do that. And that's what we're trying to get against a little bit. Loot, dude, take what you need, release the rest. Doesn't mean you, we advocate you keeping fish in a, in a, in a self disciplined manner, but on the same token is don't make it your sole purpose of going to get a slow motion stringer shot, you know, that glory shot or whatever it is. And so dude, just catch a big fish, take a great picture release that fish if she's healthy enough and then let her go, you know, and, and that's the, the memory is going to transcend itself. Right. I mean, like you talked about, 
I remember I've caught four 30 inchers, which is peanuts compared to all the guys that you talked about. But on dude, for a South Louisiana dude, I never would have thought I'd have caught one 30 incher. You know what I'm saying? And so but I can tell you the four thirties that I've caught, I remember the hit. I remember the head shake. I remember landing the fish. I remember the measurements of the fish. I remember where it was. I remember the conditions. Literally every facet of life in that 10 to 20 minute range where I hooked and caught and, you know, weighed and, you know, measured that fish. I remember every aspect of life and that will never leave. Dude, I'll be 80 years old and still kicking a rocking chair, whatever it is, drinking a beer, hopefully. And, you know, just still reflecting on everything. Cause that, that will never leave. It's like PTSD, you know, in the fishing world. So it's cool to hear. And it's refreshing to hear you as a guide are really kind of, that's kind of more or less promoting that, right. Is just, dude, that's the motivator behind what I do every day. And especially for my clientele is to see them, have them like personally, uh, participate in that. And then when they do, they'll really understand and appreciate the value of that resource. And that's kind of what we're trying to do with speckled truth as you know. And so anyway, that's awesome, man. Making more, making more trophies. You know, it's hard as a guide to, to tell somebody, you know, I, I've had, I can't tell you a hundred people probably this year alone where I'm like, we're going to release that fish. And they'll look at you like release it. Yeah. We're going to let it go. We need to let it go or whatever. And they look at you funny and they're, you know, it's hard as, as a guide because they know what the law is. They know what the state law is. This is what they're allowed to catch, you know, and, and come out and, and keep. So they're like, well, the state says I can have one over 25 and up, up, you know, have four others up, you know, slot fish. Yeah. Well, right. I know that, but we have to put it in. And I'm just as guilty because, you know, not me personally, but me with my clients on the boat because they want to keep fish. They want to take fish home. You know, if you look back at it years, not years ago, it wasn't very long ago, Chris, 10 years ago, you had four guys on your boat. We used to, it'd be 50 trout, you know, caught. Yeah. And you look at that as a number is 50. Then they take the guides limit away. So now, now you're down four guys on your boat, you get 40. Then they take it down to five fish. And now oh, we got yeah. a trip and four guys, you get 20 fish, you know, in the state of Texas now. And so we're already taking on a four man trip. We're taking 30, you know, 30 fish out of the bounty. Well, when you're out there, what comes into my mind all the time, because we're looking for more trophy. If you're going to keep those, you know, try to keep them And my, my rule on my boat is kind of up to the 22 inch mark. Well, you know, it, you start questioning even that, you know, and it used to be the 23 mark and then it was the 24 mark. And I keep going down with that, but yet at the same time, you know, I'll have, you know, and there's accidents that happened. We had that six pounder yesterday that died. We tri- we did everything to try to let it go. I mean, the guy worked with mm-hmm. it, walked it over to me on a boga. We lifted up, took a picture of it, and put it down in the water. And I could already feel the tail was like stiff, you know, and mm-hmm. I was hooked deep. And he said, yeah, it was hooked. It's, you know, swallowed it pretty good or whatever. But anyway, what I think what I'm getting to more than anything is just the fact that if we don't see it more and more and more, or if the state doesn't change anything, and I'm, I'm not one on here to sit here and debate on, what the law needs to be, but there needs to be yeah. some attention given if there's 2,500 people on Baffin Bay on, on one Saturday, you know? So, um, you know, the, the guilty part of it, I, I feel it, you know, the, uh, of doing it, but I can tell you our, our part of, and our, you know, scoping is, has changed so much to where I'll get guys on my boat that may not have fished with me in three or four years. And they come back, they fish and I'm like, I'll let that fish go. And they're like, Oh, it's only 23. Yeah, I know, but let's just let it go. It's solid fish. Let it swim. You know, we got plenty more already, you know, and y'all, there's no reason, but all the way back to the throwing the fish in the box and then catching bigger and then throwing dead ones out. That has come to my mind twice. I even spoke to a game warden this year. He had me actually looking for a boat that was on the water because he'd got a complaint. Some other boat had seen him go back to the, you know, to their boat and putting fish in and saw him toss like six, seven trout out into the water. And this particular game warden calls me and says, have you, have you seen this boat? And I said, no. And he goes, well, keep your eye out for it. If you see them fishing anywhere, just give me a shout on my cell phone. I'd like to stay in the area, you know, because if that's the way they're practicing, that's one. Do you think that's the only one? There's no way. Chris. Yeah. No. There's no way it's, but- it's happening. It's happening. We, we, you know, so that's yeah. keep cutting that limit probably isn't the answer because they're going to continue to do it. 
you know <laughs> so yeah all habits die hard man you got to change the mentality and you got to get more people going do i really need this fish and questioning themselves and then when they start to kind of self even though the limit's five well hell man maybe i just need two or three that night you know what i'm saying or, or maybe oh, one yeah. or none or five you know whatever it is and until people can start to kind of think like that and be more disciplined and you get at the like the mindset and the culture of that mindset that's when i think you can go because like you're saying that you can reduce the limit all you want that mindset still hasn't set in it's until you change the mindset that's when you finally go okay finally we can we can maybe increase the limit because even though it's 10 people are kind of self-monitoring kind of their own take if you will and you know uh you know the fishery may actually see something beneficial you know but dude i'm with you it old habits die hard but do we <laughs> so i'm gonna make this a two-part series <laughs> because <laughs> this is a two-hour deal and i think it's it's been so awesome i didn't want to cut off the conversation because it's been such incredible dialogue and so i do want to do that and so if you're going to listen to this you're going to hear part one uh and then ultimately when you hear my voice now you're obviously listening through part two so i want to thank chad and I want to, I want to keep some in the tank because this is season one of our Speckled Truth podcast. And like I told Jay, Mike, Doc Weiss, you know, Doc J. Wright, da, 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 da. Uh, we want to have a season two, right? And so I want to, I want to listen to your thoughts on water temp, you know, and kind of your theories and your approach there. And not only that, you know, maybe we can continue that com- conservation discussion then as well. Sure. And so I want to leave, and, and not only that, I mean, dude, you've done a lot of work with bait manufacturers in terms of, you know, Chad's Neapolitan, the gambler flapping Chad, and, you know, you've worked with forever last and, you know, the Chad's tote, I just sent you a picture. I bought one of, I've never used kind of the over the shoulder tote, but I'm anxious to kind of add that maybe to my arsenal fishing, a little bit deeper water complex and a little bit ease of access to my, uh, my gear. And so, but I want to keep that. If that's cool, if you'll come back to the podcast, man, I'd love to have you again. Oh, I would, I'd, I'd love it. Like I said, Chris, oh, yeah. hats off to you for everything that you're doing with Speckled Truth. You're, you're drawing attention to people in regards to trophy fish, uh, to our fishery, you know, and everything. I know two or three years ago, you'd kind of started and my apologies that, you know, I didn't pay much attention to it. I actually had a, a great fish caught like a 10 and a half, you know, two years ago in March, April, I didn't even send it to you. and caught several others. And, and, you know, I tried to, you know, support people that i know they're after and you have the passion for it and you you always have my support i'd love for you, you you're more than welcome to join us at legends you want to come and do a little talk one time and get up awesome, and, man. and and make them more aware of who you are and and what you're doing you're more than welcome to join us you know uh our anglers are they're they're top notch and and i appreciate every one of them for coming out and fishing against the best of the best and i appreciate everything you're doing and thankful for it all just just let's just keep keep going straight yeah. forward and let's let's keep doing our what we have the biggest passion for and that's trophy trout and and not just in texas you know for all of y'all listening everywhere up and down the coast you know pay attention to your your fishery and you know hey if you can let that fish go let it go if you need it you know my wife loves fish she loves for me to bring fresh fish home but as a guide you know we don't keep the limit the guys always wonder off for them so I get orders every now and then to go out and catch two or three or four fish or go catch a couple of redfish for dinner, you know? So, and we, we love it. And I know that's the, to me, good Lord put fish on this planet for us to enjoy as, as table fare. But at the same time, uh, no reason to disrespect for the passion of trophy trout fishing and, and you're a big part of it, Chris. I appreciate it, Chad. Thanks so much, man. I really do appreciate it. Well, for everyone else uh, who's stuck around and listened to part one now and part two of our uh, our discussion with Captain Chad Petterick, actually, Chad, before I let you go, bud, uh, how do people get a hold of you? Best way, you- best way is you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Captain okay. Chad. Petterick. I do daily posts on there. Um, you also, I've got a page on Facebook. I do like monthly on on there. I'll do just a mm-hmm. big, you know, announcement of when my dates are opening and all that, but. Uh, or you can cell phone, you know, you can text works best. I try not to answer my phone all during the day, but if I see a text message and it comes through and I'm between wades or whatever, I can reply to you, uh, or in the evenings, but being that we yeah. got to wake up at three 30 at night, make sure you call before eight or nine <laughs> in the yeah, evening, no, we'll turn the phone off. But, um, yeah, that's usually the best, you know, you can reach me in any one of those ways. Uh, 
I have a website as well, but it's kind of, it's been there for a while and I need to up, up get it updated as well as the Saltwater Legends page. Uh, we're getting them both uh, reworked between now and the end of the year that everything's going to be all new. We got to get all of them updated and things. So my apologies for not being on top of that, but um, busy life, you know, guiding yeah. hours are crazy and we do what we got to do and and y'all come see see me down here in South Texas and fish Baffin Bay anytime. I'm, wide open if you love to wade fish and throw lures i'm your guy yep infamous baffin bay the mystique is real man that's for sure but hey for everyone else who stuck around listening to the speckle truth podcast part one and part two with captain chad Petterick, i want to uh, say a special thanks to our obvious podcast sponsors mossy oak fishing mirror lure and texas custom lures and the original custom corky again i always got to thank them because without their support this stuff these discussions <clears throat> excuse me it doesn't happen, right? And so, uh, I, I show their show support for uh, this podcast by supporting them. Really, that's that's the key. So, thanks again, everyone, for sticking around. Really appreciate it. And uh, until next time, guys, tight lines. God bless. And always remember, take what you need and release the rest. Mm-hmm.